Hi, Great Lakes. This is Mrs. Oko, Mrs. Borgman, and Mrs. Salisbury. And today we are going to be reading you Chapter 4 from The World According to Humphrey by Betty G. Burney. Chapter 4 is titled The Most Important Man in the World. Luckily, Friday went by smoothly. Sorry to say, Saya didn't raise her hand, but Heidi Hopper did. Amazing! AJ actually whispered, Richie cleaned my cage. I tried to imagine him with a big black mustache like his Uncle Aldo. Later, when Mrs. Brisbane asked him to name the capital of Kentucky, Richie said, hot dog. Everyone giggled, of course. Especially stop giggling Gail, otherwise known as Gail Morgenstern. Repeat that, please, Richie, said the teacher. Richie realized he'd made a mistake, so he tried again. Frankfurter, he said. More giggles, explosive giggles. Try again, Richie, said Mrs. Brisbane, who was on the verge of smiling herself. Uh, Frankfurt, he said proudly. That was the correct answer, by the way. So, you see, it wasn't exactly a bad day in room 26. It just, it's just that I was jittery, wondering what would happen to me when the bell rang. Would I be left alone, hungry, utterly forsaken for two whole days? Or would I be a captive in the haunted house of Mrs. Brisbane? At last, the bell rang, and students flew out of the door like a flock of homing pigeons in a movie Miss Mack showed us. Just then, the room mother stopped by. One was Heidi Hopper's mom, and the other was Art Patel's. That's pay attention, Art. They came to talk to Mrs. Brisbane about Halloween, which was less than two weeks away. I didn't know what Halloween was, but it sure sounded scary, especially when they talked about bringing bats and witches and even worse, cats right into the classroom. Shiver, quiver, shake. What could they be thinking? I was about ready to fling open the door of my cage and escape when the door opened and in walked the principal, Mr. Morales. Mr. Morales is the most important person at Longfellow School. He runs the place and everyone respects him. You can tell. For one thing, Mr. Morales always wears a tie. No one else in the whole school wears a tie except Mr. Morales. For another thing, when Mr. Morales comes into the room, everyone stops what they're doing and waits to see what he has to say. And for a third thing, both Ms. Mack and Mrs. Brisbane sometimes threatened to send a misbehaving student to Mr. Morales's office. As soon as the teacher mentioned the principal's name, the student would start acting very nice. Good afternoon, ladies, said Mr. Morales. He was wearing a light blue shirt and a tie that had tiny books all over it. Everyone said, hello. Well, how's your first week back, Sue, he asked. Sue was apparently Mrs. Brisbane, although I'd never actually thought of her having a first name before. She said it was great to be back and what a wonderful class it was, which obviously pleased the room mothers. Then Mr. Morales leaned over my cage and smiled. His tie dangled right over my head. I'll bet you're enjoying this furry little pupil, he said with a grin. I expected Mrs. Brisbane to tell him what a troublemaking rodent I was. But instead, she forced a smile and said, well, yes, but he's quite a bit of extra work. Mr. Morales waved a finger at me. He didn't seem to hear what Mrs. Brisbane said. I always wanted to, I, I always wanted one of these fellows, he said, but my papa wouldn't let me have one. Sure is cute. Mrs. Brain, Brisbane cleared her throat. Yes, but I'm afraid he's a little distracting. I was going to see if Mr. Kim in room 12 wants him. I was shocked. Luckily, so were the room mothers. Oh no, the children just love Humphrey, said Mrs. F Patel. 
Heidi talks about him all the time, and it's a wonderful way to teach the children responsibility, Mrs. Hopper said. Yes, but it's a little too much responsibility for me, Mrs. Brisbane sighed. At least I have a couple of days away from him on the weekend. You're not taking him home with you, said Mrs. Patel. Mrs. Brisbane backed away from the cage. Oh, no. Oh, no, that's out of the question. But Mrs. Mack has always taken him home, said Mrs. Hopper. He'll be fine. He has plenty of food, Mrs. Brisbane answered very, very firmly. The room mothers were silent a second. Mr. Morales was still wiggling his finger at me. Then Mrs. Hopper spoke up. Why don't the kids take turns bringing Humphrey home on the weekend? They can sign up. We'll talk to their parents and give them instructions. It will be a great experience. Some people might not want him, said Mrs. Brisbane. Speak for yourself, said Mrs. Brisbane. That's fine, said Mrs. Hopper. There'll be plenty who will. I think it's great, Mrs. Patel agreed. I'd take him today, but we're going up to the lake for the weekend. Oh, I'd take him too, said Mrs. Hopper, but we're painting the house and the place is a mess. Next week for sure, though. Yes, I could do it next week, Mrs. Patel agreed. Mrs. Brisbane smiled a fake smile. So who's going to take him this weekend? The room mothers looked at one another. I could make a few quick calls. Maybe the Rinaldi's, Mrs. Patel suggested. Call, 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 I squeaked. Suddenly, Mr. Morales stood up straight. I have a better idea, he announced. I'll take Humphrey home for the weekend. My kids will love him. Then, starting next week, we can have the students take turns. The three women were almost as surprised as I was. Don't worry, he'll be in good hands, Mr. Morales assured them. Well, I guess I would be. After all, I was going to a home with the most important person at Longfellow School. As he drove me to his house, Mr. Morales told me how he'd always wanted a hamster when he was a kid, but his dad always said they didn't need another mouth to feed. I argued with him, Humphrey. I said, Papa, will you feed him off my own plate? Then Papa said we'd have to buy a cage and stuff to put it in. I guess he was right, Humphrey. We couldn't afford it. He smiled his big smile, but not anymore. Now I'm the principal of my own school. I told you he was important. His house was nice, but I didn't get to see much of it because as soon as we came in the door, two little whirlwinds tumbled into the room, shrieking and squealing. Quiet down now, you'll frighten the little fellow, Mr. Morales told them. He's got that right. He introduced us. The little boy who was about five was named Willie. He kept poking his fingers through the wires of the cage. I was about to bite him, pure instinct. But then I remembered, this is the son of the most important person at Longfellow School, so I didn't. The little girl, who was about seven, was named Brenda. She kept sticking her face up against the cage and squealing. I tried squeaking back at her, but I didn't think she could hear me. Mr. Morales tried to quiet them down. He explained that I was a guest for the weekend and they had to treat me with respect. They didn't listen. A pretty lady rushed through the room, jingling her car keys. I'm late, I have a house to show. She glanced in my direction. We'll ask about that later, adios. Mr. Morales, Morales wished her luck and was gone. Then he carried me into the den with Willie and Brenda clinging to his legs and yelping. My cage was swinging back and forth so much I was getting air sick or cage sick. Mr. Morales set my cage on a table in the family room. Now get back and listen to me, he told the children. I'll tell you about him. Can we take him out, screamed Willie. 
can we put him in my room? shouted Brenda. Can he sleep with me tonight? We can't do anything until you settle down, Mr. Morales said. Bravo, Mr. Morales, I thought. But still, the children didn't listen. The most important person at Longfellow School was not treated with respect in his house. Willie lurched forward and swung open the cage door. Ooh, there's Pooh in there, he screamed. Where, where, shrieked Brenda. Willie pointed to my potty corner, which I thought was unsqueakably rude of him. I want to hold him, said Brenda, grabbing me. She squeezed me so hard, I let out a squeal. Stop, said Mr. Morales. Put him back right now. She opened her hand and dropped me onto the floor of my cage. Luckily, I landed in a pile of soft bedding. Luckily, I didn't land in my poo. I was a little dizzy, but I heard Mr. Morales send Willie and Brenda to their rooms. I will not allow you to mistreat an animal. Upstairs, doors shut. No playing until I tell you you can, he said. Suddenly, Mr. Morales didn't look so important. He slumped down into a chair next to my cage and loosened his tie. Now you know my secret, Humphrey. At school, everybody listens to me. At home, nobody listens to me, he said. Mr. Morales looked tired, tired, tired. Above our heads came the sounds of thumping and bumping. It sounded as if the ceiling was about to fall in. They're bouncing on their beds, Humphrey. Not supposed to do that either, he said. He slowly rose and went to the stairway in the hall. Willie, Brenda, stop that now, he yelled. Surprisingly, the thumping and bumping stopped. They listened, I squeaked when the principal sat down again, but the thumping and bumping began again in a minute. I wish I knew what to do, he said, some way to teach them a lesson. I nodded. A lesson is just what those children needed, and I was just the hamster to teach them. Tip four, never ever squeeze, pinch, or crush a hamster. If it runs away, squeaks, or mutters, leave the hamsters alone. Up next, chapter five in a room near you.